What's up, everybody? This is Alec Coughlin, host of the Growth Mindset, powered by Ludlow. This podcast is focused on the people that are inspiring us all to get better every day. These are the folks with the growth mindset. Understand how they live, how they think, how they operate. Ball players, entrepreneurs, artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, all those super interesting people that inspire us all. So keep in mind, every day you got two choices. You can either get worse or get better. This podcast is 110% dedicated to helping us all get better every day. So here we go. All right, so here we go, episode number two. We have Breezy Beaumont coming to you and to us from Nantucket originally. Um, you knew that was going to come up because <laughs> Nantucket's the most special place in the world for all of us. Um, but real quick, so we're going to do intros. I'm trying to evolve the podcast, get there faster for people because lots of constructive criticism coming back to Alex. So I'm, I'm working on it, everybody. Um, so Breezy is the head of growth marketing and runs it for a company called uh, At... <laughs> Alation. I don't know why I have such a problem um, with with pronouncing your company's name. Um, it's awesome. I'm gonna let uh, Breezy introduce herself and kind of run through it. But at a high level, which you helped me, you know, understand, it's like Google and Yelp for all of the data within a, a company of any size. And I can geek out on that all day as an MIT guy and a, 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 a you know business graph guy, but I'm going to let you know Breezy introduce herself and help the audience understand a little bit about what you do day to day um, and what the company is all about, and then we'll get into our stuff. Awesome. Take it away. Yeah, let's do it. Um, all right, so thanks for the for the beginning intro. So yeah, my name is Breezy. Um, basically, I've worked in the startup space, B2B software space. Um, for quite a bit of time, it's a blast. Everything's always moving super quickly. Things are changing. Like it's mayhem and I absolutely love it. Uh, and so I currently work for an awesome company called Alation. And uh, we should be elated to say the name. There you go. <laughs> I'm not you remember that, it. That you just got me. That's that's good. <laughs> elated to my, talk. This yeah. is my job as a marketer, right? You're killing um, it. You're doing great. <laughs> So basically what Alation does is, yeah, that's exactly right. So it's like a mix between Google and Yelp for your company's data. Um, but at the end of the day, we're a data catalog platform. Um, so before I make you jump on that giant phrase and try to understand what that means, let's just go in that with that analogy, right? So if you have a question about something, like let's say you're a salesperson and you want to know, um, you know, what, other customers do we currently have in, in a certain industry or something like that. You can jump into Alation, type in your query, just like you would do with a Google search, right? But this time it's inside of your company's data. Um, but then it sort of takes it a, a like a level deeper than that, which is where that the Yelp piece comes in. So yeah. if you type into Yelp that you want to go to, you know, a pizza joint, it's not just going to show you pizza places. It's going to show you ones that are highly rated or that are right around the corner, right? So in that same way, Alation is going to show you the data that's going to be most relevant to you, that people are using the most, uh, that you're allowed to use. Data governance is also very important, right? So, yes. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of who I am and also what Alation's up to. 
Awesome. Yeah. And let, let's dig in a little bit further just because I think, you know, and, and I'm, you know, here we go, Growth Mindset Podcast, right? So I'm always trying to get better and learn. And I, I found that, you know, my first episode with John, you know, I, I we didn't get into his stuff as, as quickly as we, I, I think, should have because a lot of my audience was like, hey, it took you too long to like explain air. And then once you all got into it, it was really interesting. So let's just go a little further on that up front. And then we're going to talk about you at 12 years old asking for a raise because that's obviously very important. There's no way we're going to get, not start with that. Um, so look, you know, correct me if any of this is wrong, Breezy. So I think it's safe to say that that there are very few companies in the world that are like, hey, we got it all covered in terms of our data. We know where all of our data is. We know all of the different things that it, that it's telling us. We've we've interpreted it. We have all the insights. We're doing the next best action thing, right? So, very few companies are are at that level. And so, it sounds like what you do is is you're helping companies get to a better place around what they already have, which are data assets, moving them into insights, and helping them be more effective. And and you know, as you said, if I look up pizza joints and I'm on the Upper West Side. I, I'd love to have, you know, pizza in Chicago, but I'm not there, right? So I want to know about the pizza in my neighborhood, um, right? So that's kind of that's kind of where we're headed with 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 the company, right? And with what you kind of think about and what you guys enable on a day-to-day basis. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, data is the new oil, right? And, and that's actually sort of a funny phrase because I'll admit the first time that I heard it, I was like, oh, that means it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, fossil fuel. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. I was like, wait, but is there an alternative? No, Aren't we good? I, I thought we were good. Maybe I joined the wrong no, company. No, but so data is the new oil, right? Like all the money is in data. Everything you need to know about your company is in your data. And you just need to know how to tease that out and figure out what those inside insights are. And that's where you know, you know, maybe there's a product that you should already have on the market that you know, yeah. your customers are basically telling you that you're doing it currently, but that you need the data there to see that. Um, and sometimes that can happen anecdotally when you talk to people, but at the same time, like we need a, we need better data than anecdotal data that comes from a random sales guy on a one-off call, right? So, yes. I mean, the insights from your data are like, what else do we have to work with? That's number one, it's most important. Like that's how you will open up all like new revenue streams. That's how you become a more profitable company. That's how you clean up the parts that aren't working, which is also incredibly important where you're spending and doing things that that aren't working. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's what data is for. Oh, also, you know what you reminded me too, because when you were talking about air, I think this was one of the things that came up in your conversation um, was around design democratization. And um, Alation is enabling, uh, you know, data democratization, right? So it's incredibly user-friendly. And that's one of the biggest parts um, is that you need people to actually use the data, right? Data is one thing, but using it is a whole nother for, from your lips to God's ears, they say, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a salesperson right now for you. Cause I, I love what you're saying and it's very core to what we do and where we are. Right. So for all you clients out there and everybody else in my network, whether you're on the sales side of the house, the marketing side of the house, the operational side of the house, um, I don't think it's a secret that, that we all could improve our ability to understand our own data and develop the insights and then drive the action. 
And so if anyone's, you know, listening to this or, or when they do listen to this, I'm still getting accustomed to like the whole idea of the podcast and the time shifting. So when y'all listen to this, um, you need to reach out to Breezy because one, she's really cool and she's from Nantucket and we're going to get into that right now and switch gears to, um, this is, this is what everyone needs to do. This is not an, an if it's a when, um, and I can go, you know, bananas on the, the business graph stuff because in a prior life I went to MIT and I can geek out, which is a shout out to your Boston backdrop. Um, all right. So let's, let's get off of Alec being the sales guy for a minute. Cause that's hard for me not to do, but let's get into the growth mindset stuff. Right. So, so when I met Breezy, we, we were talking and, and I can't remember how it came up, right. This is the 12 year old story. Um, but I was like, you know, <laughs> just be prepared for a bunch of nurture nature conversation on the podcast. And she's like, she's laughing and she's like, Oh, I've got all sorts of stories like that. And I'm like, Oh really? I'm like, why don't you give me one? And she's like, well, when I was 12 years old, I was working and I came home after like my first, like three weeks on the job. And I told my parents, I was going to ask for a raise because I saw the 13 year olds were getting paid or something. And I was like, how awesome is that? So Talk to me a little bit, Breezy, from your advantage. You obviously have the wiring, you have the mindset, and you know, we can go through and we will different stories and dimensions of it. But talk to me a little bit about like, you know, your perspective of yourself, right? As a kid growing up and as an adult now doing your thing, do you think that you were born this way? Were you born a certain way and it kind of evolved and you just invested in it and like you've developed it? Or talk to me about nurture versus nature and the growth mindset stuff. And you got to tell the 12 year old story because I'm sure I blew it, but it's something like that. <laughs> You gave it a good shot. No. Tried. <laughs> um, no, I, I think there's a couple things at play here, right? I mean, I do think some part of it is that you're born with it, but maybe it's Maybelline. No. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, okay, first of all, I'm the youngest of three siblings, so you got to fight for everything as the youngest. Scraps. Scraps. You got to be, you gotta be yeah. bigger than yourself because you're the smallest. Um, I think so that's one piece of it. I also think that, you know, everyone around me growing up on Nantucket, you just grow up with such an independent mindset and just so yeah. much independence because everyone's like, oh, it's the safest place ever. Like, go ahead, ride you your bike <laughs> yeah. over here and never come back home again. Um, <laughs> and so for anybody who doesn't know, Nantucket's an island off of Massachusetts. It's like a super tiny little island. It's the most, most special place in the world. Just place. FYI. It's the best place in the world. <laughs> FYI. And a shout out to you, Nate Dog and Footy and all and Bashin. All, these are all the guys that I grew up going out there with. I had to do that. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so yeah, let's see. 12 year old me gets my first job. I'm working at a, a clothing, like little boutique retail store, right? Were you being um, paid? Actually, Is that legal? Just I, saying. It's, that's questionable. Cash? Yeah. I, <laughs> under the table. I won't name names on to which place yeah, don't I do work. That. Please don't do that. You were getting paid cash. It was good. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my first job. I also like strange story. I got the job because the person who was working there was, you know, a, a normal person who should have a job, not a 12 year old. And she was pregnant, so she couldn't go up and down the stairs. So my job was to go up and down the stairs and get people the size shoe that they wanted. But the ironic part about this is that I have a foot phobia. And this was like my worst nightmare of a job, but I got the offer and I- And you I got, got it done. It. And you, yeah. you got through so, it, you did it. Yeah, so just, you know, a couple weeks in, I find out that everyone there is making one to two dollars more per hour than me what this is ridiculous i didn't even think twice about it 
I'm going to ask for a raise. So I go home and just casually mention it to my parents. And they're like, what? Like, are you even legally allowed to be working? What are you doing? <laughs> I didn't even know. But I asked for it. And then I found out that people stayed, who stayed past Labor Day got another extra dollar an hour. So I got that bonus too. And it paid off. I actually bought my first computer with that through that job so that was nice <laughs> there you go well so there's a, there's a lot to touch on on that right so one of the things that i think people with the growth mindset in particular don't have any issue doing but a lot of other people kind of do is asking for the order right is like you know like it sounds simple what you just said but i can't tell you how many people i interact with every day that have difficulty making a, an ask like that. And they're not 12 years old, right? They're like the pregnant person who's like a grown-up, you know? Um, and so talk to me about like, have you always been comfortable asking for the order, right? Whether it's the raise or in a, in a sales-oriented position, growth marketing is about as, you know, close to sales as you can get. And it's enormously important. And it's very much asking for the order at scale. So like, talk to us a little bit about that skill set. I mean, is it a confidence game? Like, where does that come from? Yeah, I think that when I, you know, that initial 12 year old example is silly, right? But I think some it's a great of example. Was... Let's be real. That, that <laughs> example is awesome. And the foot thing, that's even better because you had to overcome that, right? You're like, Ew, <laughs> right? feet, Two but I'm going to make my money. Yeah, this just sucks, yeah. but I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, and the old ladies who made me put the shoe on their foot. That oh. see, that's that that's that's a that's a fair concern. That would probably I'd be like, you know, I need three bucks extra an hour for this. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> I, forget I distracted you asking the order, asking for the order, right? So yeah, yeah, of course. So from? there's that innocence, right? When you're 12 years old, you don't, I, I honestly had no like understanding of what that meant that I was asking. It was just like, well, they have it. So I should have it. Right. Um, but you know, as you grow older, you, I, I think you start to develop people develop these sort of like insecurities about asking things like that. Yeah. And it's just absolutely something that you have to, it's a skill. You need to work on it. You need to continue to work on it. You need to put your, push yourself that moment. You feel that like inside feeling of like, Oh, I don't want to, you know, speak up at this meeting or, you know, push it, push that conversation too far when I'm trying to ask for a raise or ask for a promotion because I might, you know, make someone, someone upset. I mean, be strategic about it, but I think it's a skill that you continue to work on. And when that feeling like chokes up, that's the exact moment when you need to speak up. In my opinion, that's like yeah. your body telling you to do it. <laughs> I that, that, I love that breezy, and I, I want to go further on this because I, I I'm not I was you know it's always fun to you know talk about old people's feet and things and and everything that comes with it. But I'm serious. This asking for the order thing is really important. Um, and I, I know a lot of people that, that struggle with that and it has nothing to do with, I think anything other than what exactly what you're saying. So correct me if I'm wrong and, and help the audience understand, right? You're saying that it's a skill that absolutely can be developed and you just get better and better at it. And you become, I think more comfortable doing it every time you do it. And when you have that, that little fear, and we all know that little inner, like that, that feeling, that's the time when you got to ask for it. Now, how do you, how do you get, how, how do you become more strategic about it, right? Do you weigh, do you do the pro con thing? Do you put yourself in the buyer's position? Like what's your, what's your kind of thought process when you're 
you know, preparing to make an ask that maybe you haven't made before. So like the next big ask that you're thinking about, don't tell us because I'm sure your boss is, you know, listening, but you know. They already know. <laughs> oh, good. There you go. Swagger. <laughs> Mike just dropped. Um, yeah, whatever you're going to ask for next. But yeah, tell us, help, help the audience understand. So let's say you're talking to some people right now yeah. who aren't comfortable doing that. They're trying to get more comfortable. They haven't really done it before. They just do the craft and they do their thing, but like help them coach them for a minute. Cause I think it'd be really helpful, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I think building your confidence is, is first you have to convince yourself and you then deserve you, it. To- you own it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like once you genuinely are like, no, I, I do. I really truly deserve this. This is, you know, this is achievable. This is whatever it is, whatever fill in the blank for yourself. Right. Um, and so I think, and I know I'm a total nerd, but I think it's giving yourself the data to feel confident about it. And I know like data is like the word of the day, but it's true. Like for myself as a marketer, I need to be able to say, okay, yeah, here's, you know, how much pipeline I've created or here's right. this, or here's that, right? Like these are true achievements that I've done and these are contributing to the company and therefore it's a no brainer, right? Um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt as a marketer to, to have pretty strong insight into budgets <laughs> to know what's available. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um, uh, no, but, but it's true. I mean, it, once you kind of pull those pieces together and they can be quantitative or qualitative data, right? So you could say, you know, I was able to mitigate this relationship in some way, or it was really hard to push this project through, but I was able to make it happen by doing X, Y, and Z. Um, and so you kind of collect those those pieces of information and then that's your cue to yourself to say, yeah, I mean, it's, it's right here, it's all laid out. And then just so happens that that is the perfect information to scoot across the table <laughs> when you have that conversation. All right, I love that. And, and we're gonna go one click deeper on this and then I wanna switch over to, to some of the stuff you just mentioned about um, the connection between marketing and, and sales and pipe because that's such an awesome topic for the space and a lot of people wanna hear about that too. But so one of the things people struggle with, right? And I'm not gonna go totally down you know, the rabbit hole, but certain people tend to be very comfortable asking for the promotion, the whatever it might be, the, the bonus, the whatever, before they have necessarily acquired the data, right? So you know what that means, right? And then there's the other population that kind of feels like, I don't want to ask for it until I have 110% of it, right? So almost like, where is that line of like doing the job before you ask for the promotion versus I've done enough of, of the, all the leading indicators of the job that I really want or the role and the t- responsibility, et cetera. And like, where is that calibration in your head when you, when you do what you do? Because I think there's a lot of people that struggle with that bit too. Like all of what you said makes perfect sense and you're right, but then where's that gray area and where's that line, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually, there's a ton of studies on this. That's like kind of a, it, it, there's like a split between genders on this topic too. That's where we're going. And I, you, yeah, that's what I wanted to bring. That's the one. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so they look at, they look at, uh, you know, males applying to a certain job and the skill sets they have and females applying to a job. Bingo. And it's, and I, I'm misquoting the data, but it's something like men will have on average, like 40% of the skills that for the job that they're applying for. And they ask away. Women will have like 90 and still feel 
like they're not quite qualified for it. Bingo. And, you know, that's, that's, that's stretching those, but still it's, it's that same idea. Um, and I think it's just the confidence uh, to go for it. And yeah. I know that that's scary. It's something that everyone needs to work on. Right. Yeah. Um, it's that imposter syndrome that every single person feels at different times. Um, but I guess, honestly, like the only thing I have to say about it is at the end of the day, just give it a shot because the worst thing that happens is just that they, they say, say no. no. Yeah. Right? So totally. just, and if you feel like you won't be able to handle that, no, then prepare yourself for the no. And then be assume they're going to say no. And then when they say yes, you're like, holy shit, that's awesome. I got yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, there's just, you know, get your data that you have, right. That you have on yourself to help build that confidence. But at the same time, you just got to go for it. Like you're, you're a strong player. You can also learn fast. You can teach yourself, you can do all these things that if you feel like there's, you know, certain skills and things that you're not as sharp on that might be on the, that job description, then, then just plan to teach yourself, but still just apply and go for it. It's worth a shot. I love that. And, and we'll get off that topic for now, just, but I think it's so important. I hope that folks really take that to heart because Breezy's a hundred percent, right? And I think that the, the one thing that I would just echo and just reinforce is there's so much confidence that is built like foundational confidence by doing it right just ask for the order and if they say no that's okay it becomes a little easier the next time and the next time and you know don't be outrageous and you know ask for something like you know i really like you know hockey so i want to be the number one center on the number one line for the rangers right like i'm not asking for that but you know I might, I might, you know, ask for something in the, in the fantasy football space, like trades. Um, speaking of all the guys that I mentioned before in Nantucket. So let's, <laughs> let's do some ADD and, and switch over. There's another topic that you brought up when we were chatting that I thought was so interesting. Um, so your background, you, you've been in, in startups that are earlier than, than, than where you are now. Right. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, elation, we're talking about just for those that aren't aware, I mean, this is a, a C plus round company and what that means, you know, and I'm going to oversimplify this, of course, but just for the audience that's not familiar with the, you know, VC backed, et cetera, that means it's a, not only a very real business, but it's growing. It knows exactly what it is and it's just lighting it up and it's, it's got champagne problems, right. Which is like growing fast, right. Which is a fun, great problem to have. Um, but this is crazy. Um, you joined the company in February or so, right? And I think we all know in the world collectively what happened around March. So tell us a little bit about like the first three weeks of like, hey, this is awesome. I'm going to run growth marketing and it's going to be fantastic. And I, you know, I came from some, you know, scrappier, smaller, early stage companies, right? Where you know how to just grind and like wear a lot of hats and then COVID hits, right? And, and how did that shift your kind of quote unquote, job description, role, budget, expectation, you name it. Because in the world that we're all in, events, conferences, obviously haven't been going on for a while. And it's a big part of B2B growth. So I'll stop talking here, but would love for you to kind of share a little bit about what we talked about in that area. Yeah. Um, every single one of those things you just named changed. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, I mean, I still came in doing the things we talked about before I came on, but at a very different level. Um, no, it was actually amazing. As a digital marketer, I came in, all of the non-digital things got canceled. 
all of their budget got poured on me and it was like go wild because we still have numbers to hit we still have pipeline to fill um they're like you got this and you're like yeah Yeah. and they're like uh i think these channels could be cool now um i actually i have an amazing manager also who just opens all the doors for me. So I'll give a, a solid shout out to Avest right now. He is the reason I joined the company, one of the primary reasons I joined it, um, and one of the big reasons that I will stay uh, 100%. Awesome. Um, so yeah, but I so I joined in February. Um, we actually had the, the company kickoff in Vegas. So I flew out to Vegas and met my co-workers. Oh, wow. Um, and then we got back and then the like trickle of the coronavirus news happened, you know, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Anyway, couple, forced, fast forward a couple weeks later, all the events are canceled, all the budgets in my, in my corner. Um, and we just went wild. Uh, so tons of ads, right? A bunch of companies pulled out from doing ads at this time because they yeah. wanted to be um, smart about their spending and don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we definitely went back to the, to our financials and did all those good checks and stuff, but there was, there's room to play with. We're a, we're a fast growing company. So, um, yeah, we, I actually pulled some stats. I'm going to look at them up in this corner of the screen here for a second, but, uh, awesome. we had in three months from me joining, we had a 270% increase in paid leads over three months. Whoa. We I decreased the cost per lead by 82%. Wow. Increased the lead to MQL, meaning that they're high quality leads, right? But to over 60%. That's unbelievable. We just basically put an influx of leads in, got the cost down and got the quality up all at the same time. And yeah, it, it was crazy. I mean, this is during, you know, a crazy time in the world. It also started to run into, so we had March, April, May, right? And then it hit summer, which in B2B software does get a little bit slower every single year. You kind of see all this, your, your traffic and all this stuff drop. Um, mm. But we were we able to kind of glide right on through that and keep moving up up into the right. Um, so That's yeah, awesome. so, so since, it, you know, since I came in, we've already seen uh, 60 million in ARR pipeline. Um, so we're, we're, no big deal. we're, we're yeah. moving those things through, right? <laughs> yeah. Your so, salespeople uh, are like, we're, we're, we're a fan of Breezy. She's good. <laughs> yeah. Right. We like commissions. Like, we should have a coffee sometime. Yeah, totally. My territory. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my area. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, I have to ask a couple questions on this, right? Cause yeah. There's, there are, you know, you're a rock star. Those are rock star numbers. Your company's, you know, crushing it. But there are a lot of people out there that are struggling in the B2B space to let, and maybe it's because you come from a more native, you know, background in these areas. But I can just, I'll, I'll paint a picture for you. I want you to react to it. Right. So, and again, anybody that knows me knows, you know, I, I talk like this and, you know, I pretty much mean it. But, of the B2B companies that I interact with, they have fundamental and foundational issues between their sales and marketing teams. They're not like this, right? They're not getting along like this. There's the silos and the, you know, throat over the transom and the one size fits all white paper that no one gives a shit about, right? And the salespeople are like, these marketing people do nothing for my pipe. And the marketing people are like, oh, the salespeople never followed my leads. And it's like, ah, right? So how much of what you were doing you know, February, March, and the acceleration of that 
was stuff that you already knew how to do. And it was just, that's your system, that's your methodology. And, and you worked with a team, of course, and we all collaborate um, versus were you figuring stuff out on the fly um, and how much of it was experimentation. So just walk the audience a little bit through that. Cause I think there are a lot of people in the B2B, B2B space in particular that are listening, that are in my network, that are really trying to figure out how do we work better together, sales, marketing, and then the data that, you know, the tech underneath, et cetera. So like help the audience understand that. What, why are you all doing it so well? And a lot of others are struggling to do the whole ABM and demand gen and all that good stuff thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I also want to touch on that. I fully understand that the pandemic and those months were really hard for a lot of companies and a lot of people individually. So that is that is not go unsaid here. I, I yeah. definitely want to be empathetic towards that. Um, but at the same time, when we have successes, it's it's important to talk through them and see how it goes. Just as much and, as and help those folks and and help those folks get you know off that you know get out you know their feet underneath them and help them. And that's what this is about, right? The world yeah. doesn't need more negative, you know, knowledge or not not negative knowledge, but negative stuff. Like let's let's talk about the positive and let's get those folks to learn from Breezy the Rockstars, you know, <laughs> system and methodology. So so have at it. But I appreciate you saying that. I should have said that on the front. You're absolutely right. But let's let's get into the the data-ish stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's there's a there's a strong disconnect in a lot of companies between the sales and marketing teams. Um, and that's something that I picked up on very early and make a point to when I join a company very early, change that, that mindset. Um, so if it's not already ingrained in the, in the in our sales team's mind that marketing is supporting them and is beneficial if we work together, that that's number one priority because I won't be able to get anywhere in my job if, if we don't have that set up because I need input from sales as well, which yeah. tools like Gong, I'll give a shout out to Gong really helped me with my job um, <laughs> because now I can just tap into all the conversations. I don't have to ask them all to please join their meeting again. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so, um, you know, and in previous roles, the way that I went about doing that was um, talking to sales leaders and uh, making first connections with them and really setting it straight with them to say, Hey, like, this is what I'm working towards. Like, how can I support you and what you have going on and how can we work together? Right. So, so setting the stage there, but I think it's also really important as you hire each new salesperson, you kind of need to go through this. So I've been able to get into the sales training and onboarding things. And, uh, and get into those meetings and have you know five minutes to just talk and say, I get it. Sometimes companies have, and you gotta speak to your audience, right? Sometimes companies just have the shittiest marketing team of all time. Oh, wait, true. Probably- <laughs> That's true, yeah. Sometimes, some marketing teams don't get it. And I totally hear you and I understand that, but I do get it and we do get it as a marketing org here and so we're going to work together and that's just how it's going to work like period because awesome. i'm here to support you and you want to close deals and i want you to close deals like got it and then it's, and then it's pretty good from there um <laughs> so i think that's that's the most important part of kind of setting the stage with the sales team and then i mean if you want me to dive into how how i you know turn things on and off on, on the marketing side. I mean, I can absolutely do that. I, I, I have no doubt you can, but I actually, I want to, I want to shout out to what you said before and connect it back for those folks that have had trouble asking for the order. 
you just showed how asking for the order in relation to your conversation with salespeople, like it's kind of the same thing, right? Because you go to them and you say, hey, we're on the same team. I've got a bunch of capital I can deploy and I want to do it. So you make your numbers and then some, here's how I think about it. You know, what are you thinking? And, and, and then you, you get yourselves on the same page, which I think is really cool. Um, I think it's really important. I think to that point, um, you know, do you find yourself, um, you know, do you like to put yourself in a position where you're stretching? Like, is that part of how you kind of, you know, get better all the time is do you set, do you use OKRs, for example? Do you like, yeah. Okay. So talk to a little bit about the OKR thing. I think that also helps. So just to give like, you know, the quick and dirty, um, whether you're into John Doerr and, and, you know, measure what matters or, or James Clear and, and Atomic Habits or Essentialism and McCune, all these things like OKRs are, I think, really helpful in, in many respects, but it also help you ask for the order because they, they bring accountability to the mix. But talk to us a little bit about OKRs and, and then we'll, we'll move into a, a different subject for those that are not geeking out on this stuff like we are, because I have a sense that we could talk for this like 45 minutes, but yeah. let's do that. And then I want to switch gears into something else. Cool. Um, yeah, so OKRs, objective key results. Um, basically, we as an organization look at it. So, so people do it in a different way, but the concept is that you're you're able to write something out that's actually achievable, and it's not just some visionary statement. There's there's things behind behind what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, and so we have our our CMO actually um, has a set of OKRs, and then we build from underneath those. And, and I think something that's a little bit different about how we do OKRs on, on my team uh, on the demand gen and growth side is that uh, we actually assign them to a person or to people. So we break down the OKRs to multiple different levels. And the last level being that it's assigned to someone. So you, know, you need to hit X number of this or increase you know, something by Y percentage or, or you know, it, it can, if qualitative or quantitative, same idea. Um, so yeah, so breaking it down to that individual level makes it even more achievable, right? And, and you can sort of, you know, check the box on those. I think the other thing too is I, Maybe I'm just an overachiever. I make a secondary list of OKRs. Oh, here we go. Now we're going to geek out for real. I, OKR squared. Bring it. Let's so let's hear it. We have OKRs as a company, and those are all ones we collaborate on. Then I, I personally put together another document of Breezy's OKRs. Breezy's go, OKRs. I love it. Oh, my God. The, the next level. So once I've checked all of uh, of my OKRs down, um, you know, get to dig into those a little bit. And, and think about different strategies that we're not currently doing or try a test run over here. Um, but I also, you know, I myself, I'm my, what is it? What is the phrase? My own harshest critic. I'm, yeah. a, I'm my biggest critic, right? Yeah. So um, I hold myself to a stronger standard than, than maybe than need be, but I think it's good to to get set that bar really high and then see how close you can get to the super high bar, right? So if you have a goal, then I'm, then make it, increase it by 50%. How close can you get to your goal with 50% on top? <laughs> I, why not, right? And and I and I love that. So let's let's switch gears on the back of that comment because that's really important, right? So 
you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Shane Parrish and, and the Knowledge Project and his podcast, guys, unbelievable. Um, that's be prepared for the question. We already, you know, where do you get your information from? If someone ever asked me that question, that would be the first one I'd point to. It's an incredible podcast. But point I'm bringing up on that is, is you know, he tends to to talk to people about, you know, where does everything like first principles thinking, right? Where does it all really come from? So for you, for being your own, you know, harshest critic, which is great, right? Because it helps you, you know, achieve excellence. Is that something that, you know, your parents kind of helped instill in you? Or is that something you kind of maybe yeah, had a coach if you played sports when you were a kid that kind of helped you, you know, or mentor, whatever the case may be. Talk to us a little bit about that type of, of um, how that has, has come to, to be something that you motivate yourself more so than, than anyone could possibly motivate you. And, and how did you develop that, that innate, you know, kind of ambition, if you will? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I almost think it was reverse psychology on the part of my parents. So my parents are, are very loose about everything. I never had a curfew. I never had a, this, I could work. That sounds great. I wanted. <laughs> I could eat what I wanted I could do well actually no I couldn't eat what I wanted we had like the healthiest food ever in my house no fun um but no so there was really not a lot of structure um mm. but I actually think that it it taught me because I I really enjoy structure I, I sense that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I even have my workouts on my calendar all day long good for um, you yeah. so uh yeah but so I think that I kind of created that structure around myself to the, to the degree that I wanted it. Um, and so I, I think almost not having structure was beneficial because, but it, mm. it worked in, a, in good and bad ways, right? So I think a good quality is that now I'm really good at creating this structure and creating these goals and things for myself. I think the hard part of that is that I thoroughly do not like when people try to impose their structure onto me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that I that I can only imagine. Um, you know, and and let's let's unpack this one a little bit because again, you know, when I talked with John Eisman at Air, I I learned so much about his his path. Right, he went from you know finance and and God bless his parents, they really loved that track for him, and he had to have a hard conversation. Went from finance into music and music into tech, and he found his path. Right, he's in growth as well. What a surprise! Um, <laughs> you know, but talk to us a little bit about your um you know career trajectory and because it, it sounds like you are literally doing the work that probably you know i wouldn't want your your you know boss or company to hear this but you probably would do that stuff even if they didn't pay you right it sounds like it's just you love it and it's like you know it's your thing right so how did you get there and were there bumps along the road along the way um you know i we talked a little bit about the 2008 financial crisis right and how that kind of maybe helped kind of develop your lens a little bit, just like it did for all of us. But talk to us a little bit about, you know, your your career trajectory and, cause you obviously love what you do. And I think everyone has that ambition. We all want that. So help us understand a little bit about your your path and how perhaps um, you got to where you got to and, and, you know, some of the tips and lessons along the way, including failures and bad things. I forgot to ask. I was supposed to ask that question of <laughs> tough stuff, right? Tough, tough stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, go for it. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, to a fault. So the, the other day I'm in a spin class, right? I mean, it's pitch black. They're blasting music at me. I'm spinning on my bike and I'm sitting there thinking about the next campaign that I can run. 
<laughs> and I caught myself I'm like crazy. Oh my gosh, just take a break. And um, I was, I was talking, to, I was actually talking to our CEO the other day and that story came up and he's like, oh, wow, we're really, you know, getting our money out of you or, or something to that. You know, he's, he's a joke. You're a real hard worker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, there's a few things at play. So, like, yeah, absolutely. The 2008, 2009 financial crisis, those hit during super formative years for me. Um, and so I, you know, was working a lot of hours and helping to support my family. Um, and so I think it instilled a few things in me that uh, I wanted to uh, have that security. Um, but I think another thing that's really important for me is flexibility and at the end of the day, happiness. Um, yes. So I honestly go into everything thinking about the happiness that will come out of that choice. So whether that's my work or my workout or this or that, it's always kind of a, a happiness calculation for me um, as well. Um, so I think, you know, the way that I would be moving into the world would be to see how can I um, do something that I love that you know so the the time passes you know that that idea of flow um, oh, yeah. where you're just working and and you don't even realize how much time is passing um and so i wanted to find something where that fits and i'm a huge numbers person so going into marketing i love to you know do that creative piece of launching all these campaigns but i also love measuring it tweaking it and continuing on the ones that are doing really well and and all that stuff. Um, and so I, I super nerd out on uh, finance as well, personal finance. Um, so my my number side not only goes from my job, but it goes to, to the personal side as well. So I follow a lot of um, the FIRE community. I don't know if you've ever What's heard that? of FIRE. So it's Financial Independence Retire Early. Nice. Fire. And uh, yeah, so basically it's about finding what makes you happy, but then do, working in a way that financially you can just choose to do whatever it is that makes you happy. So if that's staying in your nine to five job, great. If you just love it, then keep doing it. If that means, you know, working at a nonprofit for less, but doing the same job, or if that means taking care of your family, or if that means just traveling the world and skiing every single day or something, whatever it, whatever it is for you. Um, and so it's about creating income streams that kind of help to that grow themselves and so that you're able to, to spend your time doing what's most important to you. So a couple of players in there, if you wanna check any of that stuff out, um, would be Mr. Money Mustache is- Oh my like, gosh, what a name. Like a big one, I know, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, I also, I absolutely love the mad scientist, F-I as in like financial independence scientist. So those are some good ones. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is very helpful. And, and you had mentioned that, which I think is, you know, the, one of the things that I think people don't really realize as much um, when it comes to entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial, you know, people, growth mindset, et cetera, is the risk mitigation, right? So I love that you're talking about personal finance. I think that's something that we all, you know, going through, this COVID mayhem as well. Um, those are great tips. I appreciate you giving those because I had not heard of the FIRE community, but I like it. Um, and I think the audience will like it too. So, um, all right, let's 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 get into a, a, a one more topic before asking you the, the knowledge stuff and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. But, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, 
the idea of, of not necessarily working harder, but working smarter, right? And so help us understand, um, you know, how you think about working smarter versus just working harder. And is it continuous improvement? I know we talked about OKRs. Are there certain sources of knowledge that you look to you have mentors? Like how do you constantly get kind of better um, personally, professionally, whatever it might be? Um, I think that would be interesting, especially given your you know, passion for structure in, in mind too. I think that, that you probably have a method for this. So yeah, fire away. Yeah. So for, yeah. So work harder, work smarter, not harder is what, you know, we're in the world of tech right now, right? There is a new marketing technology or really just any technology coming out pretty much daily. I don't know how many demos I've sat on for all these different softwares that help oh, yeah. X, Y, and Z and 80% of them are lies. <laughs> the rest Thank are you. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Brinker, Chief Martech, is, if you don't know who he is, that that's a thousand percent true. We'll, we'll touch on that, but keep going. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. You have to learn how to read through it. I just love, uh, yeah, well, I, I will, but I love pushing people on the idea of cookies and every time they're like, oh shoot, she knows her stuff. And then, and, and then from there, they pretty much stop talking to me. Right. Um, that's okay. <laughs> talk about working smarter, you have less of those conversations. That's good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, you know, you can work smarter by using these technologies. So you got to weed yeah. out the good ones, right? Um, and there's a bunch out there and I'd be happy if anybody reaches out to me to let you know about my MarTech stack that we use and and what's worked and what hasn't worked very well. Um, but yeah, so using these technologies to your advantage, um, one that, you know, looking at now and probably about to be a soon customer of is metadata. And yeah. what they do is they help you run tons of ad campaigns uh, all at the same time. I better get a discount for this. I <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, that was a nice plug right there. Right? I don't know. Where's my stock or something? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's just a ton of companies out there that can help you do your job better. And hmm. it, and if you're, you know, the company you're working for is hesitant to spend money on these. First of all, I mean, do your research, make sure it, it does actually work. But also you can make the money case, the business case for this, mm. right? The business case is the money case. That's that's a secret. That's the big secret. Um, and Always. <laughs> yeah, follow the money. It, yeah. it, it tends so to work out. If you can show, and I've done this multiple times, I've said, okay, this is what this software will cost per year, right? This is what a salary for someone would cost to do yeah. the same amount of work in a year. Right. And so you're, you're able to kind of bring in those things. And sometimes you can get those software in the door faster than you can get another person in the door. Yeah. So um, you can start to, to build your empire that way. And then generally, because you're now, you know, growing the pipeline for the company, they're going to get more people on your team. So it kind of works in like a cycle that way. I love that. And so now let's just, cause we're going to be wrapping up and I want to make sure we, 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 we do the right thing here on the plug because I know it's real. Um, I know business graph. It's a, it's an area that I'm passionate about. So obviously connecting with you was exciting for me because I know that my audience is going to benefit, but let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you're in front of someone in my audience, that's a decision maker. Right. And they're like, this sounds really good. I, I think, I think breezy's awesome. Um, and I think that, you know, generally speaking, uh, you know, elation could help us in, in several different ways, but what if they don't really know, like, what's the first step, right? What's the pilot? What does it look like? Where should, where, how should, how would they get started with you guys? Because I feel like 
that would be really interesting. And so at scale, because hey, there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this. It's a big deal. This podcast, the most popular podcast in the entire world, right? Wink, wink, my little world. Um, but no, help me understand and the audience understand how should they be thinking about, and of course they should reach out to you directly, but how should one be thinking about the, 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 the value that you all create and where the first kind of pilot or, or execution should be? And I know it's custom, I know it's specific, but just talk about that. Cause I think that would probably help people understand even more so um, what you guys do and how you create all that value with, with data. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So we have customers in like every industry. So you're right, like it differs based on what people to an extent, it differs to what people are interested. Like we have Salesforce, eBay, LinkedIn, Expedia, PepsiCo, DraftKings, like it's traveler's insurance. It's, it's across the board, right? Wow. Like we, our customers are, are, are all the different companies. Um, and so the way, but I mean, like the biggest business cases that data equal data insights is equal to profit right yeah. at the end of the day that's it um so i think if you're a chief data officer or chief analytics officer if you're a you know someone that this is prominent to if you're in charge of data governance mm. um then alation is a solution that is collaborative it is user-friendly it is going to be adopted across your enterprise and that's something that we've had a lot of people that came from our competitors um, come to us saying, yeah, we've had this tool, competitor X, for two years. And, you know, maybe even we like it, but no one at our company uses it. So yeah. it doesn't matter. So it, it, then you're not getting anything out of it, right? And that's kind of what the end of the day is. And so I think, you know, once you realize that your data is important and that you want to be effective at using it and be able to make decisions off of it and to be able to trust your data. Yeah. Know that you're looking at the right data and not one that was from a few years ago or that there's a new version of. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I and, and, myself, honestly. Well, I, and I, and I hear you. And I, and I also like how you compared it back to, to Aaron, the democratized, you know, nature of it, right? It sounds like you don't need technical capabilities to be able to interface, you know, with elation and, and get the value out of it, right? It sounds like it's pretty user-friendly, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be the people like you're and working with our team as well, who helped to kind of set it all up. But yeah. from the user level, yeah, it's, it's incredibly easy to use. There's like a search bar, just like how you picture it on Google. Yeah. Um, we actually, and we changed the whole user interface. So it makes it a little bit more fun for people as well. So it'll all be branded to your company specifically. So it really feels like it's, it's your, it's, I mean, it's your data, it's your space, it's your insights. So nice. let's fully make it yours. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. We, I think we sold it well. And I, and I'm excited because I'm sure there are people in my network, like, as I, as I mentioned and the audience that are going to benefit from that. So now we got to go to the last question, which is kind of always the same for now. Here we are two episodes in. So you touched on knowledge and, and, and where it's coming from and, and lots of different places, but if there's anything you want to share with the audience in terms of, you know, books, podcasts, you know, Twitter feeds, anything that you feel like, Hey, you know, people should know about this person or this entity. Now's the time to let them know because um, I ask this nerdy question every time um, and I'd love to hear it from you. I think you've touched on some great ones already with the FIRE community, but anything else that people should be aware of just so they, they, they learn something 
from the breezy, easy breezy community. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you're a finance nerd, I've already told you where to go, so you can yeah. find things. Um, I think from a marketing and, and learning in that sphere perspective, you need to learn by doing. I also yeah. think it's your your average CMO age should should astronomically drop in the next few years because no one's been doing it for that long because it hasn't been around <laughs> for that long. So true. So <laughs> um, for from the digital side. Yeah. Um, but uh, for me, I'm a huge LinkedIn nerd, so I'm always following what people are up to there because I want to make sure that my data and and what i'm learning is up to date i don't want something that went through 17 rounds of review and finally got published on a blog that's that's really kind of an old old thing now at this point um i listened to a, a few podcasts but i already gave a shout out to those people so i can't do it again uh <laughs> yeah that's all right um, but i think that yeah. learn by doing two things i want to say though one if you want to get into marketing build a website i nice. put together a list of resources I wrote an article on LinkedIn. If you guys want to read that, you can read it there. We'll, 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 we'll bring Number that in. One. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. yeah. It costs less than a hundred bucks. It'll teach you how to write it, what to look for on it, how to attach it to Google analytics, everything you need to know. There are hundreds of certifications out there. Get mm. HubSpot certified in inbound and HubSpot inbound marketing and inbound sales. That's like that's like level one marketing these days. If you don't have that, I don't know. I don't know where you're going. Uh, and then there's just a ton of other companies that do certifications out there. So, you know, go teach yourself. And I think the certifications are good too, because they, they force you to not just inhale the information, but like regurgitate it back out and put it into practice, at least to a small degree. So. Yeah, I, I love it. I, it's that actually building a website. I think that's I'm going to steal that that actually because to your point, if you build it right, it, it requires you to have an understanding um, that's very different than just perhaps reading it or or just consuming it and then talking about it, but actually building a site. Um, and also, I love that you mentioned HubSpot. That's where Brinker is um, the chief Martech, the guy I mentioned before who yeah. creates these killer um, ecosystem visualizations of the MarTech stack over the years and how they've become ridiculously complicated. He couldn't agree with you more on all the statements you made. Um, so awesome. All right, look, um, thank you, Breezy. This was really great. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm going to make sure that that in the uh, sub stack that we kind of wrap things up, um, that we we tag all the different um, dimensions of the conversations, including some of those lists. I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on on providing those to the audience, but I want to say thank you. And, uh, you know, it was really great. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. This was a blast. <laughs> Thanks, Alec. All right. We'll talk. All right. Have a good weekend. All right. See ya. Bye. Take care.